0: Numbers chapter 15 this morning, and we're going to look at a man who picked up sticks. A man who picked up sticks. In the first 31 verses of this chapter, we have the sacrifices that the Lord prescribed for sin. And if we go back two chapters, we find that the children of Israel were in a state of great rebellion against God. They were requested to go into the land, spy it out, make preparations for the entering of it. I read last night from Sinai to where they are is about 131 miles. It was walked. We realize that. But even at that, two or three weeks, they were from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea. The spies, one out of every tribe that represented all the 12 tribes of Israel, went in, and 10 out of the 12 came back with an evil report. And we find that God judged them right there. They were consumed. And then those who had no faith decided they would go against the word of God, and they tried to go in anyway, and many of them were consumed, and God's word was fulfilled. They died in the wilderness as they wandered for 38 more years. Well, in chapter 15, verses 1 through 31, we find it's, it's interesting. Right after that rebellion, we have some sacrifices mentioned. And last week, we looked at the one sacrifice that was for the sacrifice of ignorance. And we're thankful that the Lord has taken care even of those ignorant sins. He's taken care of all the sin of all his people. He paid for their sin completely and totally. Nothing is left undone. Nothing shall be answered for by the people of God, by the children of God, by the saints, by the church, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies So when he does a work, he does it well, and he has left it to us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can rest completely in him. And now we are stepping into verses 32 through 36 of this chapter, and it tells us about a man who could not rest. He just could not rest. This passage of Numbers 15 that we're going to read here teaches us that to work when you are commanded to rest in the finished work of christ is in the heart and in the nature and reveals what presumptuous sin is what presumption is the penalty for presuming that your work may be added to that of christ is the sin of presumption and will end in your eternal death so This is what is brought out in this passage of scripture. Let's read these few verses of scripture found in Numbers chapter 15, beginning with verse 32. And we're going to read down through verse 36. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward, or they put him in a a hole. They put him into a a jail type thing. That's what that word means. Because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. And then we go on, beginning with verse 37, we're going to find out some things about a robe. And it truly speaks of that robe of righteousness that the Lord gives every one of his children. Well, this passage of scripture that we read here about this man who broke the Sabbath day, he was, he, the Sabbath was truly instituted as a picture of the church resting in the finished work of Christ for all our salvation. The church rests in Christ and in his work and in his finished work. And yet we find so often in the scripture, natural man speaking about this, even though the word is filled with us commanded, if you please, to rest in Christ. Would you turn with me to the New Testament for a few readings as we look at this? So often the question is brought up by individuals, what must I do? What? That's natural man speaking. What must I do? Now we find the judgment that was placed upon this man for going out and picking up sticks on a day that he was supposed to rest. He was supposed to stay in his tent. He was supposed to be there and reflect. And it speaks of the church resting in Christ. That there is the finished work. The work was done, and it's an example by God resting on the Sabbath, the seventh day after he finished all his work. And the book of Hebrews is going to share with us that very fact, that that was a type and a shadow and a picture to us that we are to rest completely in Christ. And if we have a part of us that's not resting in Christ, we have a problem. If we say that for a moment we have to do something to be acceptable in the Lord, we do not we're not resting in Christ. All right, turn with me over here to the book of John. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 verse 28 and 29. We have this brought up. John chapter 6 verses 28 and 29. Now, this is not brought up as a, as a single incident. I'm, I'm convinced that this incident happens every day. And particularly on Sunday. And verses like this used to be used in religion to kind of give a, a prescription for how you're going to be saved. Well, that's not what he's talking about here. He's telling us the, the frailty of the flesh uh, that is, uh, God has not dealt with. The frailty of our flesh is to ask this question Even though the word of God is so clear that it is our trust in Christ, resting in Christ, and yet we find out, as with Nicodemus, we come to a wrong conclusion of what that is. It must be revealed to us. I am so thankful for the words of the Lord to the apostle Peter, Peter made a great confession. That's the confession of the church. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But we also find out that the Lord answered that, spoke to that very confession, and said, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you. You know, I'm convinced that Peter went away and said, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Because left to ourselves, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. Here, in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 28, it says, Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now, you know, in religion, we're going to give all kinds of things. Get down on your knees, pray the prayer, sign this card, do all the things that religion has prescribed. I was given a track the other day, and I was told it was a good track. and in the end, it gave you the prayer to pray so you could have salvation. My goodness, how how wrong, what con- wrong conclusions we come to, left to ourselves. And here we find the Lord's answer to that. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Now this is all God's work. We come to the conclusion when we're born again that all the work is God's. We have nothing that we can contribute I remember one preacher, and I brought this up several times because it's such a blessing to me. The only thing we bring to salvation is our sin. And that sin left to ourselves, we will die in our sin. But we're thankful for the Lord Jesus who died for our sin. Well, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he has sent. Now, that's God's work to cause us to believe. And he causes us to believe on him whom he sent. And that is the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Not in in some religion, not in some church, not in some baptism, not in some Lord's Supper. We are caused to believe on him whom he hath sent. And he gives us that knowledge. He gives us that understanding. He teaches us that truth that God sent his son to save his people from their sins. That's God's business. And he reveals that to his church, and they rejoice in that fact that he has sent his son, and in this he will give us the belief to believe like we are called on to believe. Now that man that was out there gathering up sticks, he just not could not comprehend. God gave him six days to do that work. All he had to do. Can you imagine telling a man he's got a rest? And couldn't do that. Well, that's where we are in our religious state. All right, let's turn to the book of Acts, if you would. The book of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, this is brought up again. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Here we have, what must I do? What must I do? What must I do? That's the question that religion brings to us. What must, that's our natural inclination. What must I do? And all kinds of prescriptions are given as a result of that. Every religion has something you have to do to work in order to get this. And if you have to believe, if you're required to believe something before God acts upon you, that is work and that is damning work. Because we cannot even believe. All right, here it says, it tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now, when they were heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, they heard the gospel from 12 preachers that day. They had all heard, it tells us earlier in this chapter, they had all heard the wonderful work of God in their own language. They had heard the message of grace. They had heard the message of God saving his people from their sins throughout the Old Testament history. And they come to the conclusion after hearing all of that, what must we do? Well, that's just a common reaction to hearing. And yet there's nothing we can do. And God reveals to his people that there is nothing you can do, I've done it all. All right, let's go just a little further here into the book of Acts. This used to be a favorite, this was a favorite uh, of mine <laughs> uh, when I was in religion, preaching in religion. Here in John chapter 16 and verse 30, you know the account of the, of the Philippian jailer. You know <laughs> He'd saw some things, he'd heard some things. He had heard Paul and Silas rejoicing even in their situation. They were in stocks. They were held in prison and they were guarded by this man. And it tells us that the place was shaken. You know, it, it wouldn't take much for us to be amazed at that. If we were caught in that situation... If we were guarding somebody and we walked in and saw that their shackles had been loosed and the prison doors were opened and we were considering uh, it's either going to we're going to take our life or someone else is going to take it for us. And he comes in there and he's brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now they said, and this is often used as a prescription. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, most people teach that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be safe. But the scripture says, saved. If you do this, you've been saved. You've passed from death into life. You can't do it before. So this is something that is impossible for us to do on our own. It must be taken care of by God. He must give us the new birth. And then we're able to believe. And then we don't ask, what must I do to be saved? We find out the work has already been done. God has already performed it. It was a work finished from before the foundation of the world. He took care of his people in the covenant of grace. And so how important it is that we are not like the man. And we've certainly pointed fingers, aren't we? I'm glad I'm not like that man. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's move on here in just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 19. Back up to the book of Matthew chapter 19. And we have people coming to the Lord again People coming to the Lord, doing exactly what this man is doing out there, picking up sticks. It should have been done on another day. He didn't do it. Why? He had no faith. He believed not. It was not in his makeup to believe God. I can do what I want to do. He's not going to do anything about it. And thus we find out he was wrong on all points. God does care that we are attempting to work our way. It must be God or nobody. All right, here it tells us, in the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do? Now, he he doesn't stop there and say, How can I I be a benefit to humanity? How can I be a benefit to you? How can I... What does he go on to say? That I may have eternal life. Now, we've got groups today that will take little children and throw in front of them, do you want to burn or do you want to go to heaven? Well, you know little kids are not stupid, especially those who have touched a stove. Our little grandson touched a stove and burned his fingers. Well, he learned a mighty lesson, don't touch the stove. And so someone comes along to him and says, do you want to burn for eternity or do you want heaven? Well, having human knowledge about burning, oh, I don't want to burn, I don't want to burn. Well, now they count him as one of the kingdom. What trash. What a lie. And what, what they shall answer for that have that kind of gospel. That is such a lie. Well, we go on here in, in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, here is a lawyer. He's Now, the lawyer in this era was someone that was professional in the Old Testament law. He was a teacher of the law. That's what these lawyers were. And we notice here in Luke chapter 10, and there in verse 25, this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Now, The Holy Spirit gives us the reason he stood up and what he intended to say by what he stood up and tempted him. Now, nobody's going to tempt the Lord. Satan could not get the Lord to do anything. It was all prescribed. Satan moved at God's prescription. Satan moved. God has a Satan, and it's his Satan. Now, this man did exactly what God prompted him to do. It's his nature to do it, but God moved on him to bring it up here at this time. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he calls him good master, and he said, Jesus said, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself 24 7. We could add that 24 7. Not just for a moment, not for a second, not for an hour, not for a day, not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, but forever. You must do this. The question used to come to me in religion, how can that happen? It can't. Unless we have all of that given to us by the Lord of glory in our salvation. He's taken care of that. He's taken care of that on our behalf. In the book of Deuteronomy, turn back to the book of Deuteronomy if you would for just a short reading here before we come back to the book of Micah. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, we have these words. Chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 of the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. Now, take time some time, to read down through here, but I'm dropping down to verse 27. Verse 27. Verse 27, go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. Now, that's the children of Israel saying, everything that God requests of us, we will do. Now notice verse 28. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee, and they have said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such a heart in them. Isn't that an interesting thought? God saying, I've heard their words that they have spoken unto you, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. But you know what? It wasn't. (laughs) We're going to find out it, it takes no time at all for them to demonstrate that they could not keep what God commanded. This man that went out and picked up sticks on the Sabbath day, he just could not do what God commanded. It's natural man is not able, he's not able to keep God's commandments. He is not able. The natural man cannot do that, cannot abide by the law, cannot keep it. It is so contrary to him. It's contrary to himself and it's contrary to his nature about God. The law demonstrates the holiness of God, and we're just so opposed to that in our natural state. Now, in the book of Micah, chapter 6, Micah, chapter 6, I don't know how many messages I heard in religion on this passage of Scripture in Micah, chapter 6, and verse 8. Oh, this is the prescription. If we can just get you to do this, if we can just get you to do this. Here it tells us in Micah, chapter 8, this is what the Lord doth command. Matthew chapter, excuse me, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord doth require of thee. This is the requirement. Now, preachers that don't know anything lay this out as a prescription. If you, if you do this, you'll be okay. If you can follow this, you'll be okay. Okay. Well, we can't follow this. We're not okay. We absolutely need Him. We need what He has done. We need what He has done. And we need what He has done. For it goes on to tell us here, this is what the Lord required but to do justly. That's contrary to the human nature. We're not just. We can't do justly. And to love mercy We don't have any inclination to that. We may show mercy to our family. We may show mercy to to others, but not the mercy that God requires. We have no concept of that. And to walk humbly with thy God? My goodness, our walk by nature is like the Pharisee. I thank God I'm not like other men are. There's no humility in us. God humbles us. We're thankful for God's work in us when he saves us by his grace. Oh, we by nature turn this into a prescription instead of a remedy. He's speaking of the remedy here. Someone who is able to do this. We need him. We need him who is just. We need him who is merciful. And we need him who was humbled before his God, given up the glory that he had before with God the Father before the world was, and coming down to this sin-cursed earth to die for his people, that he may lay down his life, a ransom for many." What blessings we find here. And then, if you turn with me to the book of Hebrews. We read this last week, but it's so valuable for our message today. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 and verse 18. Hebrews, chapter 3 and verse 18 brings this up. It's a summation of verse, or chapters 13 and 14 of the book of Numbers. <coughs> Excuse me, the rebellion that was there among those people to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest. But to them that believe not, why could not that man stay in his tent on the Sabbath? Because he believed not. He had a presumption about it, that God would be okay with it, that God would would think it's okay, it would be fine. Now as we look at those verses over there in the book of Numbers chapter 15 Let's go back over there and just refresh our mind, a thought there about that in Numbers chapter 15 in our text. Numbers chapter 15 and verse 32 through 36. We have these words. Isn't it interesting in verses 32 and 33? And it almost reminds me of a passage over in John chapter 8 when those Pharisees brought a woman to the Lord who was caught in the very act of adultery. <laughs> you no, know, she was a condemned woman when she walked into the presence of the Lord, and when they walked away, he said, go and sin no more. A saved woman. All right, now look at this. And when, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. Who did that? <laughs> A whole bunch more people that were not in their tents resting on the Sabbath day. You know, it just struck me. where uh, What were the other folks doing? What do we have here? We got stick-picking police. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we run into these folks all the time. The Lord fan- ran into them all the time. Why do your disciples eat with unwashed hands? Why do your disciples not pray? Why do your disciples not pay taxes? Why, why, why? The whole thing goes on. We run into them all the time. We we got the prayer police. Did you pray over that? Did you pray before you ate? You know, we got people that are so concerned about our activities that they never pay any attention about their own. That they are like the Pharisees. I'm thank God I'm not like other people are. We got the, we got the, what did you do on Sunday police? Don't tell me that you watched. Don't tell me you went. Don't tell me we got the drink police. You don't drink that, do you? You know, we got all these, we got the clothes police. I was told one time, that when I didn't have a white shirt on that I couldn't be a preacher because a preacher would wear a white shirt. I said, you know, there's no winning this battle. We got the police. Well, we have the police out there. We got the Sabbath police. We got the stick-picking-up police, and we follow this throughout the scriptures. We got the Bible-reading police. Did you read your Bible this year? I mean, completely through. Uh, Oh, no, you couldn't even be a Christian if you didn't do that. Just on and on, this kind of nonsense goes along, and yet we find that in Christ, the church is complete in him. Did you pray about that? You know, our prayers over food, is most of the time, our real prayer is in our closet. Never forget that. That's where our real prayer is. Several years ago, I was in a store, and a fellow I met that I had in class many years ago came up to me, and he started talking about religion. First thing, he grabbed a hold of my hand and says, I'm going to pray for you. You know, that isn't prayer. I was in one of the stores here, and one of the proprietors in there, he was standing out in the open with his hands on the face of a woman praying over her. That's not prayer. That's show. What a fleshly show that all is. My goodness. And yet we find here that the Lord said to these folks after this man had been arrested, we do have a problem here. But you know, just as we have with that woman taking in adultery in the very act of adultery, how, how could they do that? How, how You just think about that for five minutes and they are nosy people. They are unrighteous people. They're ready to judge people. And here we have... They found a man who gathered sticks on the Sabbath day. We have a record here which is both valuable in itself and as revealing the mind of God and also valuable indirectly by revealing the mind of man. Now the mind of God is you must rest in Christ. Rest. This is what this is all about. Did you know that we find that the Lord spoke about work on the Sabbath? Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. The impression that natural man has a deep yet always totally false concept of spiritual things. He's picking up sticks on the Sabbath. What are you going to do about it? Well, probably most of those people that were watching him should have had the same punishment. They're they're just waiting for someone to cross over the line. You know, they have no mercy. They have no love. They're just, they're in it for themselves and for their own glory. (coughs) And God still judged the man. Here in the book of Matthew chapter 12, turn with me there. Matthew chapter 12, and there in verse 5. Notice this with me. The Lord had this to say about the Sabbath. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are what? Blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. They had such a glorious statement about the temple, about keeping the Sabbath, and about this and that, and yet the Lord says, there's one greater here, and you don't know him. As one preacher said, and I've used this several times, they didn't see Jesus in Jesus. They were unable to see that. Without revelation, they can't. You know, the the, uh, church's Sabbaths are spiritual. It's ceasing from our work and resting in Christ. We no longer work for our salvation. We no longer say, what must I do to be saved? Or what must I do to live a better life? God, by his grace, directs our paths. Thank God that he takes a hold of his people at times and just settles them. In the book of Colossians, this is brought up. Colossians chapter two. Would you turn in there with me in Colossians chapter two? Colossians chapter two. I have the the farther I go along in my ministry I found I find out that the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. That when we find those places over there, like in the book of Numbers, chapter fifteen, about what's going on there, yes, that man is absolutely guilty. But I am too. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. A blasphemer. That's what Paul said about himself. He was a blasphemer. You know, he thought, he thought in his mind, and he believed in his heart, that if he had never robbed a bank, he was not a robber. He thought in his heart that if he had never killed anybody, he wasn't a murderer. He thought in his heart that if he did not commit adultery with a woman, he was not an adulterer. And the Lord brought around and says, in your heart, you've done it all. You've done it all. And you know, sometimes that just shivers our timbers. When God brings that to our, uh, uh, to our mind, we are stick pickers. We have not rested in Christ. We're not resting in him in our own works. We cannot come to a conclusion of rest. It's every day. Now I have 6 days to do this, but I didn't get it done yesterday. I'll do it today. That's just the attitude natural man has. Here in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of a sabbath days respect honor they were honoring this above anything else i love meeting together this morning is the best we could do for today by god's providence i love meeting together i love meeting together on the first day of the week I love thinking about the resurrection of my Savior, Jesus Christ, but he did not make this a holy day. No more holier than tomorrow or yesterday. We should worship him every day. God's people will bow before him every day. We acknowledge, Lord, you have saved me from my sins. Thank God, forgive me of the ones I've committed today. We rest in you. It's your blood and righteousness alone. And I'm not depending upon meat or drink or respect of a holy day or a new moon or Sabbath days. Which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. What glorious. Galatians chapter 4. Turn there with me if you would. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 9. We read this. But now, after that you have known God, or rather. He puts it, <laughs> he just straightens it up for us, doesn't he? Oh, I know God. Oh, or rather are known of God. It, that is the most important thing. God knows us. God wrote His our names down in the Lamb's book of life. What did he say to those disciples that came back from um, missionary journey and things were just so great. He says, Don't rejoice in that, all of those things you did, but rejoice that your names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice in God taking an interest in you before the foundation of the world. Rejoice that God has done the work. Rejoice that all of this is null and void without Christ. All right? But now, after that, you have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Now, that's God's commentary on the Old Testament law. There's no effectualness in it. Weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage, or observe days and months and times and years. You know, several years ago, the church here, I asked the church if we could suspend Sunday evening services. We had people traveling from a long distance. And I just said, uh, you know, I'd rather have two good alfalfa meals than three straw meals. (laughs) And you know what I mean, if you've ever raised cattle. And you know, I've talked to some preachers, and they said, you're going to go to hell for that. Well... My soul does not rest on whether I have Sunday evening services or not. It rests in Christ. Now, often I'll open my Bible and read. I ask people, go visit somebody, read your Bible. It's not wasted time. All right. You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid for you lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. Did the gospel go out unaffectual for you? How in the world could you do this? You know, during the days of Solomon, is a wonderful picture of a saint's time in Christ. I'm just going to take you right back, if you would. Join me in the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, there's a passage mentioned about what it was to be in the days of Solomon. The days of Solomon. Oh, the Lord used him to build a temple, the Lord used him to answer the questions from the king of the East or Queen of the East. uh, Just so much. Now, I think for a moment, this is this is my my thought on this, I think for a moment that Solomon got Alzheimer's. And that's why he had all that nonsense with all those women. But the Lord delivered him. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes as a result. But that's my thought. Anyway, in the book of, of 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. Nobody had to be ready for a war because it was at peace. And that's where we are in Christ. We dwell safely under our vine and under our fig tree. We are at peace. We are at rest. The work is finished. As God finished his work, so the church finished their work in the blood of Christ. All right. Join me in the book of Hebrews. Brother Mike read about all of the book of Hebrews this morning. We're going to interject a couple of verses. I just so greatly enjoyed that passage that he brought up. All all those passages, in fact. Well, Mike, would you hand me my my literal text there? My computer has gone on the fritz. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yep, yeah, all right. We're stepping back. <laughs> in the book of Hebrews chapter four, please. Hebrews chapter four, verse ten. For he that is entered into his rest, he hath, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. He that hath entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. And in verse 10, for he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works. Oh, excuse me, back up to verse 3. Verse 3, there we go. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the, work, of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And then as we just read verse 10, I'm going to read it over. And he that is entered into his rest... He also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. To that natural mind it appears easier to try to keep the law, try to keep the Sabbath, find fault with those who did not, than it is to rest in the finished work of Christ. And you know, that's what natural man believes. He can do what he can't do, but he'll never come to rest in Christ until Christ is revealed to him in the preaching of the gospel by the Holy Spirit. And then we look back and say, what in the world happened? Oh, it's the new birth. I see. As old friend Job, brother Job over there so long ago said, I have heard of you with the hearing of the ear. Now my eye seeth you. And so they took that man, and they executed him. Those on the left-hand side are going to hear the same words. As they're all lined up at that day, they'll hear the same words that that man heard. You must pay for your sin. You must pay for the way you treated God. You must pay. And those on the right-hand side that God had in his mind before the foundation of the world, they are said, Come, enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. They rested completely in Christ, in Christ alone. Those on the left hand, they rested in their own works. And they suffered the penalty for that. We're going to stop there this morning. We pray God's blessing upon you. Rest in Christ is all we can say. And Lord willing, next week we'll look at that last few verses because it speaks highly of the robe of righteousness which he gives us in Christ Jesus our Lord. May we once again look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that you would add your blessing to your word as you always do. And may we be comforted in the rest that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us.